0: Thanks, Vanya. Today's scripture passage comes from our lectionary, and it's an unfamiliar one, to say the least. And it's a challenging one. It's one that'll maybe get us squirming in our pews a little bit. But if you're like me, after you hear it for the first time, you're a little bit confused. You're a lot confused. My hope is that as we dig a little bit deeper and try to understand it, that we'll... Give us a clearer picture of who God is, um, what God is doing, what God is not doing, and also what God is calling us to do. So hear God's word for us today, coming from Luke chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. At that very time, there were some present who told Jesus about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Jesus asked them, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way that they were worse sinners than all the other Galileans? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. Then he told them this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. He said to the gardener, See here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? He replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, Well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. The word of the Lord. Anyone want to come up here and take a shot at this uh, passage today? (laughs) Let's begin with Jesus being from Galilee, uh, being raised there. And so here comes these Galileans and they're bringing up a current event where other fellow Galileans had taken a pilgrimage down to Jerusalem to perform their Jewish sacrifices, probably for Passover, and there they get into trouble. And there, there's some sort of conflict with the Roman authorities that ends up uh, them being killed in the temple alongside the sacrifices that they were offered. And so they are trying to make sense of this brutal and terrible thing that had just happened. A common thought back then, um, and still to this day, um, a thought that permeates is maybe these victims, their sins, their evil acts, that they angered God, that then God struck them down uh, indirectly through these Roman soldiers is that what happened they're trying to figure out were these soldiers and Pilate instruments of God to rain down judgment upon these sinners and Jesus' response is no they didn't do anything wrong to cause this that is not who God is that is not what God is about And so that first atrocity is emblematic of other acts of violence that we still see to this day, where power is abused, where people are exploited, where we see it in war, we see it in false imprisonment, we see it in acts of slavery, racism, oppression of the most vulnerable and oppressed groups, all those fit into this first category. And Jesus says that all those who suffer at the hands of the powerful did nothing for them to deserve what happened to them. Then Jesus brings up another current event that happened recently, that this tower had fallen and killed 18 people. Once again, did these people get what was coming to them because of this accident? And Jesus again clearly says, no, they did not nor is that who God is and what God is all about. Now, the second tragedy would be similar to the tragedies we see today with natural disasters, earthquakes, fires, pandemics. All these still events throughout the globe we see taking countless lives every year. Are these kind of tragic events God's vengeful response to to responding to sin and to evil that is taking place in the world. And Jesus says, no. And so this passage is a little bit grim, but I think it's helpful for us to help make sense of the world around us. I think it's comforting as well for a couple of reasons. One, people that suffer and die, they don't deserve what's coming to them. It's not because of something that they said or did that the second part is this, that Jesus is not up there just striking people down, causing people to die and allowing death and destruction to take place around the world. I think that's really important for us to hear after another challenging week where we turn on our TV sets and we see what's happening in Ukraine and we see so many devastating things that are happening around the world. And so for millions of people, and maybe this is even you, people ask this common question. Where is God in the midst of human tragedy? Is he causing these things to happen? Is he sitting up there allowing these things to happen? And for many people that say yes to those two questions, then their response is, well, then I want nothing to do with God. I don't want nothing to do with church. And I would understand that. But Jesus clearly states here in this passage that that is not who God is. And that is not what God is up to. And so if that is not what God is up to, what is he up to? Then we get this parable. This random parable that Jesus tells of this fig tree that's just taken up space not bearing any fruit. And so the landowner comes and he sees it after three years and he says, cut it down. And the gardener pleads with him and says, give me one more year to aerate the soil, to put manure around the root structure. Give me one more year to try to get to bear fruit. And so from that, we can kind of assume that they come to this agreement. This tree gets one more year. Now, I've been trying to figure out who's God in this parable. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, We've got two, two choices. Is God the landowner? Is God the gardener? The difference between these two characters is that one is portraying more of a sense of urgency. The other is calling for patience. So there's the difference between the two. Now what they have in common is this. Both want the tree to bear fruit. And so if that's what they have in common, no matter who God is in this parable, here's what we can conclude, hopefully, from Jesus, why Jesus would share this parable. What is God all about? Bearing fruit. Life. That maybe that's why Jesus, after sharing, after two very difficult stories, tragedies that involve death and destruction. Now he brings forth a parable that says God is about finding new and creative ways to bring life into a lifeless world. My sister Kim and I were uh, picking up dead branches in the backyard this past week around our house. And I couldn't help but notice, especially on a couple of them, I'm turning them over and seeing the mushrooms, the fungi that were coming up and the different colors and everything. And what an amazing example, once again, God's creation gives us. That's an example of turning death into life that once again, somehow, some way, in ways that we can't often see or recognize, God is turning death and decay back into life. God promotes life among his creation. Every living plant, every living thing, every animal, God cares about it. God wants it to thrive and to live. And the same thing is true with your lives. In all of humanity, God wants your life to thrive. God wants you to be healthy. And so God is busy pruning and aerating and fertilizing in ways that we recognize, and ways that we never will, so that your life will bear fruit. God is all about life, not death. I would venture to say that Jesus' crucifixion is the ultimate example of God transforming death into life. That's who God is. And that's what God's about. So if that's the case, we still have to wrestle with the death and the destruction that we see all around us, don't we? How do we make sense of that? Well, that's where we need to come back to Jesus' response to these two tragedies. And both examples. He says to the people around him, repent. Repent in Greek is the word metanoia, which means to change one's mind. And it's more than just a passive change. It is a drastic change. It is changing one's way of living in a new and different way. Taking a U-turn. And so on this third Sunday in Lent, where we continue to practice honest self-reflection, Jesus says to us, examine your life where you might be contributing to, either directly or indirectly, the death and destruction of this world. And there's a lot of places that we can go with this, a lot of places that we can turn inwardly. I want to start with the big picture. Our politicians who pass laws and policies and budgets, they have a major impact systemically on different ways that they can promote life and flourishing or on ways that they can do just the opposite. Now, some people say that we should never talk about politics in church. Do you know that the word politic comes from the Greek word polis? It simply means the ordering of society we have elected our officials so that they would order or reorder our society in a particular way and so their decisions shape how we treat our land and our water and our air how we take care of our resources how we treat people within our country how we treat people at our border how we treat people beyond our borders And so, some of these decisions they make we agree with, some that we don't, right? As we are God's body, the body of Christ, we can be political without being partisan. Partisan is me telling you who to vote for. And that is something that I would never do. Nor do I think should be done within the pulpit. But when Jesus in this passage says, repent after people bring up what happened with these Roman soldiers and Pontius Pilate, Jesus is being political right here. We need to be aware of all the different ways that God seeks to use us, to use our systems, to order and reorder our world and our society in ways that promote life. And in ways that don't. Now, on an individual level, perhaps Jesus has taken a page from that old Michael Jackson song Look in the man in the mirror, asking that person to make a change. From the very simplest decisions we make to what we put into our bodies, to what we don't put into our bodies, to what we put into our minds. All decisions that promote life and health and well-being. How do our words, how do our actions promote life and health and well-being? Are they building people up? Are they encouraging people? Or are they tearing people down? Are they discouraging them? Christ is calling us today to examine all the different ways that we might be contributing to harming ourselves and to harm those around us. Jesus says, recognize it. Admit it. And change. Repent. This week, people around the world were inspired by a woman named Marina Avzianikova, a Russian TV editor who was working for years and years in one of the main Russian news channels. She disrupted the evening newscast. With a sign that says, no war. Stop the war. Don't believe propaganda. They are lying to you here. Russians against war. She was swept away. She was arrested. She was interrogated for 14 hours. She was deprived of sleep for two days. She was fined. And that's just the beginning. Because of a recent law, she can be imprisoned for up to 15 years for that protest. Now, what wasn't as well known, what was covered in certain places, was that she also posted a one-minute video. She started that video by saying, I'm ashamed that I've worked for this new agent, news agency for as long as I did, spreading propaganda. And I can't do it any longer. That's repentance. That is making a courageous, drastic change in her life that she has known for many years in a way that takes personal accountability and yet is also aware of what is going on systemically in the life around her. That is repentance. Today's message is a challenging one. Couple of reasons. Couple of reasons why I'm glad, even though it's challenging, that we're talking about it. One is with all the death and destruction that we are seeing, we can lose hope, right? It could feel overwhelming. If we focus our time and attention that are on things that are out of our control, that can lead us feeling exhausted, helpless. And Jesus says, don't take that approach. Focus on you, on your life, on what you can control. Start there. And so we're being challenged to turn away from anything that might contribute towards death and destruction and turn towards anything that leads to life and health and well-being. Because that's where God is. And that's who God is. And that's what God is all about. And that's where we'll find our lives bearing fruit. The good news that we hear today is that as we repent, we don't do it alone. That repentance and change are not just human actions. They are responses to the gracious work of God found in and through Jesus Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit. God is actively at work in the world. He hasn't given up on it. He hasn't given up on us. He's fertilizing. He's aerating the soil. He's pruning back branches. He's challenging us to examine where we might be part of the problem. And he is calling us to turn in a new and different direction, following his lead, a way that leads to life and abundance. Amen.